Hey, welcome back, guys. Um, Hello, everyone. Hey, um, yeah, um, welcome back. We've uh, we've got a little bit of a spike in listeners after Twitter. We've had some really good feedback. It's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, anyone uh, who's listening who uses Twitter, give us a follow. Warhammer Wookies. I'm pretty sure we're the only one on there called Warhammer Wookies, so it's pretty <laughs> easy to find. And uh, yeah, like reach out, let us know how what you think about the podcast. Thank you to everyone who's. Uh, contacted me to say they like it this it's really good to hear um so we have one piece of news and then we're going to go into the main topic today um the, we've been talking a little bit about uh the changes to board size and uh missions in ninth and how um the itc has been working with games workshop to develop the eternal war missions so they're actually usable in a tournament format and how the board is going from a six foot by four foot board to a 60 inch by 44 inch board, which is, is a bit smaller. Having had a go on it, I don't think either has really found it was a big impact. Mm, well, I don't think that it was a big impact, to be no. honest. Uh, it was no, it, it, So, uh, on the case of normal board, of normal board size that we've had before, uh, you probably won't notice much of a difference, mm. uh, but probably you will notice a difference when you play a smaller, uh, a smaller type of the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because then it's more like close combat, like. Yeah, yeah. So uh, your thousand point games will feel more like a thousand point game. Yeah, but actually, actually, now when we have a new uh, an updated rules, I can actually tell that probably even on the bigger boards it will it will much. Yeah, it, it seems if the outflank thing works how we think it's going to, and you can come in from any edge, I think it will have an impact. Not only an outflank. Did you read the news about the Overwatch? Uh, nope. Overwatch right now is not a rule anymore. Wonderful. <laughs> Instead uh, of that, is a stratagem. Okay, cool. So yeah. in order to use in order to use Overwatch, you need to pay one common point. Okay, that's interesting. I wonder if Tau will retain it. So um, for those I think that you... all Tau players right now is just like they just take all of their beautiful models that they had before, and then they take it to trash, trash bin. Well, and the then thing it's is... like they put them together, and <laughs> that's how Tau army would work. Because to be honest, like the whole strength of Tau army was Overwatch. Yeah, but the thing is with Tau, like they had Overwatch before. Overwatch was a rule. Um, so back uh, a few editions ago, Overwatch didn't exist. It didn't ex- like it wasn't a thing that happened in the game. But Tau could still do it to make up the fact that they didn't have very good melee. So I wonder if Tau will retain it. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out, or maybe get be able to use the stratagem to affect more units or something like that. Um, well, so far we maybe don't a know. warlord trait. We don't know about that. Uh, yeah. I, it, that actually news that knew that actually was pretty easy to miss because it yeah. was. Uh, it was mentioned uh, in, uh, I think it was Chaos Space Marines where they mentioned that, okay. or somewhere else. So it, it wasn't like a specific, like, concentrate on that rule, like it's really important, but somewhere in, in Fraction Fox. But it is a really important rule. But, it actually, but that's actually, yeah, <laughs> but it's actually, it is really important. Uh, or it was Sisters, I don't remember to be honest. Yeah. But anyway, it was somewhere in the Faction Focus uh, where they mentioned that rule. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a huge deal yeah, to be honest. Yeah, it's a big deal. Because, I mean, if you have one unit of robots, yeah. and then they fire Overwatch, because you spend one CP on that, yeah. you obviously you can't use the same strategy multiple no, times. No. At least they didn't say that you can, and I think that if no, you, you do that, it's going to be silly. Yeah, well, that's generally the rule. You use the stratagem once per e- phase. Exactly. So that um, basically means you can overwatch with only one your unit. Yeah, and I think that's cool. Like, it means the warp talents are probably coming out of my list, to be honest, because their main thing was ignoring Overwatch. 
Um, but I like it opens up opportunities for like sacrificial units. So like you throw in ten cultists, they all die, but that's fine because um, you didn't care about them, and now your terminators get to charge without being overwatched. Like I, I can see some really interesting play for that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, with uh, the board size and the missions, it's now being confirmed. So all the ITC events had already uh, the ones that are run by the people who run the ITC already confirmed they're using the new board size and the missions. Um, all the other big events in America, so like Nova, um, uh, the other ones that escape me right now, but like the the like the American team tournament, they're all going to be using the new board size and the new missions. Um, and it's also being confirmed that the WTC, um, so the World Championship that's held in Europe, will be using the new board size and the new missions. And that's really significant because that means that every tournament in Europe will probably follow that because most tournaments in Europe mm-hmm. are either run by will have a big association with um, people who play in WTC. So they want to, so they want to practice those rules. Um, so that is going to be the standard. And Australia is confirmed. All the big tournaments in Australia have confirmed. So when you've got um, America, Europe, and Australia um, all agreeing to this new board size and this new mission pack, I can only imagine the rest of the world is going to follow. I mean, I don't know about the Asian market. There is a, there's quite a big following for 40k in, in Asia now, which is a, more of a recent development, but I'd assume that they'd follow the trend. But if you're out there in, in an Asian country, um, please contact us and let us know. I'd like to learn more about that scene. It'd be really interesting. Yeah, actually, you don't know anything about them. I mean, the only yeah. know about like uh, Europe states and uh, Australia New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not much about them, but they're kind of far away, so that's yeah. not surprising. While actually, I, I have no idea why what is 40k in Asia. Yeah. Like, It'd be really interesting to see what sort of armies you guys play and what kind of formats. I mean, I've, I just assume it's ITC, but yeah, let us reach out and let's know. That'd be really interesting. So, topic for today, um, there hasn't been a huge amount of news, so I thought it'd be a really good opportunity to talk about um, transitioning into a new edition and like tips for um, what to do now and how to prepare. Um, I've been through quite a few editions. I started playing in third. This is going to be Roman's first edition change. He's yeah. been playing in eighth. So I think we could have an interesting dialogue to, to discuss this. I mean, the first thing... That is something we've mentioned a lot. Is paint what you've got. If you've got, like everyone has Warhammer, they don't have painted. I, I refuse to believe there's someone out there who's got everything <laughs> painted. Um, even if you think you do, look through your cupboards. I'm sure you'll find some model. Um, well, and even if you do, because uh, I I do understand that sometimes, for example, you just want to have free base colors, like the main mm-hmm. free base colors rule. You have your models, you paint them free colors, and then you just didn't have time. That happens. I mean, yeah, yeah. That happens with all of us, uh, especially before tournaments. You yeah. just, you, like, for example... You the la- panic week where exactly. you're like, oh, no, I had to paint 16 sealers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Last last tournament, for example, it was for me, I had, like, 20 models which I needed to paint, and I obviously didn't have time because, you know, like... Life. How, yeah, because life. Uh, so I just did three base colors, and I think that my last model, actually, I finished 10 minutes before the tournament. Yeah. I brought some brushes and colors and just finished just before it. Uh, so what I think that you, you always can do, you always can find some models which you paint free base colors, but like there is no model which cannot be better. Yeah, and I mean, you've probably got some chipped and broken models as well. Yeah. And just like look through your collection and find stuff that like, oh, the capes on this unit, like maybe I could put an extra highlight on them, just make them look a bit better. Like that's a, that's a good place to start and getting prepared. 
especially your favourite units that you're really hoping are going to work because especially in the first few months of an edition it's very experimental and people don't really know what's what the meta is and what's going to be good and what's going to be bad I mean we have ideas it seems like we're going to have a vehicle meta again but like who knows um, how things will shake up so you're going to have an opportunity to play those units that you really want to play and see how they perform and you should definitely do that and if you've got a unit you really like um, that is painted but you think oh, I can make this look extra special do it like absolutely do it it's a good time to be doing that yeah especially like when we talk about conversions and stuff now you definitely have enough time to imagine like any type of your model to be to look different from what they originally yeah. look like uh, for example if you play something like chaos you always have like a huge variety of things that you can potentially do because you know like what will happen if you put your, I don't know, your, your hand in the warp, like, no yeah, one knows, yeah. you may end up, like, with five hands instead. <laughs> <laughs> so the same goes if your models, like, uh, if you can imagine those chaos space marines coming from the deep of the warp, like, who, who knows what happened with them there. Uh, or if you play Admech, again, Admech, you always can put some mechanical bits here and there, and you end up with, like, some new tech priest, and, well, why not? Yeah. Uh, that's still going to be cool, especially considering that you have a crusade uh, type of the game where yeah. you can like update your model with, uh, with level progressing and, and so on and so forth. So I definitely think that uh, there, is a there is a huge possibility here uh, to make some really nice models with all the bits and pieces that you already have. Yeah, and like, that actually leads me quite nicely on to my next point. Um, HQs. Um, a lot of people out there have their their HQ that they've made themselves and they're very proud of and like um, it's their it's their dude like um, it's the guy that leads their army he's led your army for a few years or she and um, now is a time to maybe update them like oh you had that chaos lord maybe he's become a demon prince now and then you can make a cool demon prince conversion that looks like your lord is a demon prince or maybe you have uh, a space marine captain that you've been using as a chapter master in every single game because that's what you do if you play Space Marines. Um, make a new model that represents him as a chapter master. Um, it's a really good time to be doing stuff like that. Lots of hobby. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, like, the, the, I think that we all have such models. Rich, yeah. can, you tell you, tell, can you tell us about your favorite model which you did like that? I'm pretty sure you have lots. Okay, well, yeah, there's a, I mean, I have nine demon princes. Um, <laughs> that's what, are, that's are, what I was which saying. Which are pretty much all converted. <laughs> But actually, my favourite one that I did like that was is actually a fantasy model. Um, there is, I think he's still available, there's a Chaos Lord in fantasy riding a Steeders Tarnesh, which is just like a big snake. And um, Lucius Eternal has a whip that's shooting out in front of him. So I sliced Lucius Eternal in half with a saw, so I, uh, took the legs of the uh, guy riding the... Uh, the um, the snake monster and, <laughs> and stuck them together and, and then made um, a really unique looking Chaos Lord um, and like that, I really like that model and it like really stands out in the battlefield um, did a bit of work to Lucius to make his armour look more like uh, medieval style armour rather mm. than sci-fi armour it's not that hard a bit of green stuff here and there don't stick on the backpack but on a cape instead like there, there's very easy things you can do so stuff like that is is pretty pretty easy yeah right. yeah well so far my experiments are not so wide as yours i guess yeah. uh so what i did like the like the biggest conversion that i had so far is i took my tech priest dominus and i changed the way how his arms look like yeah uh, so i just you won't believe guys but i just rotated them 
Yeah. And <laughs> it actually it, it actually changed a lot in uh, in Dominus posture. You you want to, you, you can't even imagine like how much does it change when you just change the posture just a little bit. Yeah, and now like it looks like a new model. Those two models because you have two of them, right? And uh, I have three, but I only use two. Yeah, yeah. But the two that you use, like one is a standard kit and one is a very minor conversion work to it. And like on a battlefield they look like different dudes. Yeah. Which is exactly. actually really useful for you and your opponent to be able to distinguish between the two of them. Yeah. Now this one's the Warlord, this one's uh, got this relic, you know? And yeah. like, it's, it's, a, it's a good visual clue. And then, uh, obviously, if you have, like, now we've been talking about, like, smaller models, like, yeah. Zekri's Dominance is, like, how much it is, like, uh, five, seven centimeters yeah. ish, something like that. And what if you're talking about knights, yeah. oh you man, have huge you have a huge possibilities to convert. Uh, for example, I remember a tournament I saw a knight, so basically the whole top part, it was a normal knight, not Dominus. Uh, the whole top part of it was actually cut down, uh, with a knife or a saw, and then uh, that guy injected like some kind of platform and then he put uh, uh, Astra Militarum Commissar on top of it. Mm -hmm. So it's actually like a knight is controlled by a Kamisara standing on top yeah. of it. There's, loads, actually really cool. there's a lot of inspiration for knights. And also uh, super heavy battle tanks are, are uh, another one. You search for Baneblade conversion, you'll get millions of, yeah. of well, maybe it's an exaggeration, but a lot, a lot. Well, I, I'm pretty sure it's like millions. <laughs> I mean, like Baneblade, for how long does it exist on the oh, game? Oh, I mean, a long time. It was a four-drop model before exactly. it was even in plastic. Exactly, so I'm pretty sure that's but, like... I mean, with the bigger models, you don't even need to go that big. I mean, something like a Chaos Defiler, um, that's something that... It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty big model. Mm -hmm. It was one of the biggest models before the Knights came along, and there's a lot of space to do stuff with that, um, get creative... With your standard tanks, like your Lehman Russes, like you can you can really make them your own. Um, especially if you're going to use it as a tank commander or something. Like, I mean, yeah, you can just have the guy sticking out the top, makes it look like an individual thing. But like maybe painting on some extra decals and like mark him out as a as an officer, put some flags on, give him a, go to a third party um, bit supplier, find like a more interesting gun that still looks like a battle cannon, but is a bit more unique. Like there's a lot of stuff you can do. Yeah. There. Yeah. And the same thing comes with, but if we're talking about colors, because I mean, we all know about the new color system that Games Workshop invented like yeah. a few months ago. If you didn't have time to check, how does it work? I did, uh, I did it for Space Marines. Uh, and I can actually tell that it looks really good as a, as a base color. It works well on the Marines, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that if you're going to use them for anything else, like guards or like pretty much any other Imperial models, it's all going to be good. Uh, as for demons, well, that's actually a good question. Probably some Nurgle. Uh, will look really Nurgle looks great, you know. Yeah, Nurgle will look really good as well. Uh, but you probably want to have more variety there. Again, you still can use those colors uh, as a base colors yeah. and then not anything else. So basically, if you wanted to have time for experiments uh, mm -hmm. in your coloring and your painting in general, highlighting, I don't know, using some different color schemes or like apply some dirt, uh, if you ever try to draw dirt, it's actually way more complex than it looks like. Yeah. Uh, now it's the best time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So absolutely. So first tip: go back through your models, find the ones you haven't painted that you like, paint them up, find your favorite unit, see if you can add to it, and have a look at your commanders and your and your vehicles, and see if you can make them a bit more individual. That's a really good use of your time. But if we come more to um, 
away from the hobby side and more into the army building side. I think this is actually like a really good time to start a new army with an addition change. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's it's a it's something you have to be kind of tentative about. Um, so you don't want to go out now and buy a two thousand point army because no. it's not it's not the right move. But you have time now um, to get in three troops. Um, I mean, battalions are still going to be the core. Um, it, almost certainly. I mean, maybe I'll eat my words in a few months, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that battalions are still going to be a core. So you're going to want your three troops and you're going to want your two HQs. Those are very easy to get hold of. And then uh, and then you can have your core units. Like we've mentioned with AdMech, um, you have robots and you have the... Uh, what's the tank called, Roma, with the gun that shoots out of line of sight? Scorpius. Scorpius. So say you're doing AdMech, couple of HQ uh, choices, um, three units of troops, some robots and some scorpiuses. Those are things you can reliably know are going to be good. Um, have a look at what has been consistently useful. Um, so like with like Space Marines, a lot of people play Space Marines. Um, Thunderfire Cannons, always been a good model. If you are uh, start Space Marines, get your three units of intercessors, get your couple of HQs, Librarian and a, and a captain is a really good place to start. Like they're almost certainly going to be useful. And um, get Thunderfire Cannon. Um, um, yeah, so stuff like that that's always been useful. I mean, I think like if you are looking at starting a new army, uh, two HQs can always be of a kind of a tricky one, especially in addition change where we don't know where things are going to shape up. Like uh, using Space Marines as an example, like chaplains that sometimes have been really really key to strategies because the game has been very melee focused and you want those melee buffs um but other times they haven't been so useful but your general fighty hq so like for space marines you have your your captain and your general sort of psychic hq that most armies have not all of them but um are generally useful so if you're starting a new army get it and you, you're a bit tentative about what to add because of the addition change which is completely reasonable get your standard HQ and get your Psyker um, I mean there's equivalents in most armies like Aldar you have Ortach and you have a Farseer but even in an army like Necrons that doesn't have a Psyker um, you've got your um, your Cryptek so you, you get your Necron Necron Overlord and your Cryptek uh, so your main HQ and your main support HQ are generally going to be useful no matter how the game shapes up. So those are really good places to, to start off a new army, ready yeah. for the new edition. Uh, and uh, at the same time, I would definitely advise anyone who wants to start a completely new army right now, like completely, you have no idea how does it play, you have no idea what the units are, what units are just check, start collecting. Yeah. Uh, that's always a good move. So, yeah. for example, uh, Beyblade start, collect- start collecting now for the new armies, and you definitely can see it on uh, Games Workshop website. So there are basically one price point for old start collecting, and we yeah. see that because they are not updated yet. But looks like it's going to be updated later on. Uh, uh, for example, there is a start collecting Drukari, which is cheaper than updated start collecting Adeptus Mechanicus. Start okay. collecting Drukari is. 660 crowns, which is about wow, 60 pounds. 60 pounds, yeah. And Admech is 720, which is about 70, 70 pounds. Yeah. So basically, what you want to what what do you want to buy? Probably, if you want to start it, start collecting new one, you need to 
orient like somewhere at around 700. If you see something about like 70 pounds, sorry, 70 pounds only, not 700 pounds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you see something 70, 70 pounds, then it's probably something that is going to stay. Uh, or if it has, uh, you always can check on the website as well. It always says like uh, the year when it was produced and, uh, produced and uh, if it's going to be updated or not. Yeah. And I also like, um, just a slight tangent, I think like, looking at the prices on Games Workshop, like, um, isn't always, Games Workshop isn't really the best place to buy most of your miniatures, realistically. There's a lot of independent retailers yeah, that trade online. Um, one that I really like is Element Games. Um, they ship to most of Europe. I know there are alternatives in America and Australia, but I, I don't know the names of them. But a, a quick Google search, um, you, you get yourself a 15% reduction. So if you if you are getting a start collecting, you're already getting a reduced price on the models if you bought them independently. And then you slap that 15% reduction from getting them from an independent stockist. And you're actually getting a pretty good value start to an army. Um, very good value in Warhammer terms. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's start collecting is a great place to start as it should be. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, they actually updated it for Space Marines. If you want to start with Space Marines, now they have Vanguard Space Marines. So yeah. One. They have updated Chaos Space Marines as well. They have Thousand Suns, uh, Admech. Uh, I think that that's it so far. Yeah. Uh, but looks like looks like they're going to update all other Star Collecting as well. So if you don't see the army that you want to start right now, for example, I would love to start uh, Custodes. Yeah. But there is no Custodes or um, Sisters of Battle. Again, yeah. there is no Sisters of Battle now. You may just wait for another week or yeah. like a few weeks, and at some point they're going to release all of them. That's like for sure. Yeah, they've always had them for every army in the past. Like for as long as I can remember, there's always been. Uh, well, they used to be called. Battle forces back in the day, but there's always been some sort of didn't have start collecting. Yeah. I mean, I guess custodes are kind of a unique one because you have so few models. It can maybe kind of hard to cram them into start collecting. Nah, I think you still can. I mean, like yeah. usually, like for example, before that, I was thinking like start collecting is usually like some hard vehicle and then something else, some troops. Yeah. Like a few, like ten. Uh, 10 Skitari Vanguards, some HQ, and then a tank. Yeah, uh, that's generally the format. You get HQ troops and then elite fast attack or heavy support. Exactly, but then they changed uh, for for the new, for updated stuff. I think they actually changed that format. I mean, some of them still have some heavy support. Yeah, but well, it like, depends on the army, right? Some armies conform to that general formula and, and some don't. Exactly, for example, Thousand Suns. Uh, they don't have any heavy support right now. Uh, Space Marines Vanguard. As far as I remember, they also don't have any heavy support there. Yeah. So I guess that they they are going to see uh, Custodes without heavy support because like heavy support for Custodes is like Forge World. Yeah, Forge World. <laughs> yeah. Much, so there is no reason to buy them. Um, but I guess they still can fit like Terminators and uh, yeah. stuff like that, and it's still yeah. going to work really well. Uh, and for Sisters, well, for Sisters, they actually have heavy support, so they can, yeah. they can fit it there as well. So uh, if you see something, basically the advice is, if you want to start a new army, if you see start collecting which is which already fits something that you want to start with, well, you can just buy that one. Uh, if you don't see it, well, then it's probably better to wait a little bit, and then you will have an updated version of start collecting. Yeah. Well, another thing as well, I think with preparing for a new edition, like as I said, this is a real good time to experiment with um, things you've always wanted to play. And maybe you felt like, oh, I can't use this right now because they don't work so well in 8th edition. If there's a unit you've always really, really wanted, start thinking now about how to make it work. 
Um, I saw a post on Twitter recently where people were complaining about how a lot of the tactical advice that's given is like, if you play Space Marines, you play these units and that's how you play. And then people are like, well, but I want to play X and it's not really addressed. Like there are ways of approaching that. I mean, it depends how at what level you want to compete as well. I mean, most of us aren't going to tournaments to win. Um, me and Roman have had some fairly good success in tournaments, but we're there mostly to have a good time and to try and win a few games, not to take the crown. I mean, yeah. it'd be nice to take the crown, but like it's not uh, like a super focus. And you have other people at tournaments who are just there to play the game. And like whatever level you want to play, I and mean, if you're playing in a club as well, like the, the level of competition is probably not going to be the same as people spamming the best three units at uh, top tables of a tournament. Yeah. So if you are one of those people who's like, like Terminators are a great example. A lot of people really like Terminators and they really struggle because there's very little advice on how to use them because no top player is using Terminators. Apart from maybe right now with Empress Children, there is a bit of play there. But um, break those units down. Have a look. Right. What is what? What do I like about this unit? Terminators. Okay, I like the fact that they can deep strike. I like the fact that they have... Um, uh, the, the the storm bolters or the combi bolters if you're chaos they can fire all of their shots at 24 inches um, and um, what what are the what are the problems with that unit okay so you look at like your standard lawless terminus they all have power fists which makes them very very expensive okay so how do we offset that um, okay so you've got to look at bringing cheaper options who allow the terminators to do their job things like scouts that can move up to the midboard create a drop zone so you can bring the terminators in and like I'm just using that as an example because I think it's something that most people can relate to. But like this is the perfect time to be to be thinking about these sorts of things. Um, if there's a unit in your army that you've always, always, always wanted to make work, spend some time, talk to people. Uh, the online community for Warhammer is generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, be take some advice with a pinch of salt. But like the more you talk to people, the more you're going to learn, right? And um, take that unit break it down make a list pros and cons of taking this unit and then look through the other units your armies and think like okay how do i offset that is it a very expensive unit okay i need to take something really cheap okay is it a horde unit okay um i need to take something that's gonna give it buffs to make sure it doesn't run away or take too much damage like that there are ways of doing that and now is the time to be experimenting with that i mean the rules are going to change in night, absolutely, but like the core of the game is going to be pretty much the same. This isn't like seventh to eighth where the the game really shifted and how it was played. Different units are going to be uh, the most viable, but there's going to be you can you can take your basic principles of Warhammer and carry them forward into this new edition. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. War, for example, you can you can think not about just units. Yeah. Uh, but also about the whole style of your army that you had before. If, yeah. For example, as we mentioned last time, uh, castles for Admech uh, before that edition was basically the way to go, uh, and for other for many other armies as well. So now we actually may start thinking about okay, uh, we definitely see that uh, I can distribute my army between different units which I deploy on the board like mo- within multiple turns. Within multiple turns. Yeah, with the new reserve rules. Yeah, with the new reserve rules. Yeah. So what does it mean? Does it mean that I actually can use some of the units which have like fast attack keyboard or something like that yeah. which I didn't use before? Well, probably I do. Yeah. Uh, and um, you can try uh, start thinking about the lists uh, which, which can potentially use those additional tactics 
well, who knows, like at some point it may happen that you actually find out something really good which actually uh, may help you win a tournament or yeah. just like, I don't know, like, uh, or like shine in your, in your local store. Yeah, exactly. Or even like going from someone who's at a tournament and you play five games, you lose three and you win two. Moving from being able to win three and, and lose two that into that positive bracket is a really, really good feeling. And it, it, it's not a huge shift. A lot of it is just how much time and thought you've put into your army. And if there is this one unit that you're pretty sure you can make it work, or one style of play, um, one type of army, you, like you're really sure you can make this work, now is the time to really go to the drawing board and really think about how would this play out. Um, yeah, like this is a good time to be experimenting, absolutely. Yeah, 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 that's for sure. Well, what else, what else? Uh... Well, I think like... Um, a good thing to be to be thinking about right now is um, what uh, what what is your what is your play style? So every person, whether they know it or not, has a play style they favour. Um, I like to go in hard and fast, get a lot of victory points early, and then finish the game with like basically nothing on the board. But I won anyway because <laughs> I had loads of points at the beginning. Other people uh, like to play the long game and uh, sit back and take pot shots here and there, take out a few key units and then move into the mid-board in the mid-game and start um, and, and then start racking up the points from there. And like, and everything in between. Like there's, the, there's a huge variety of how you can play the game. So I think like, it's a good time to reflect on like, what are the armies that I've enjoyed playing and what are the armies I've had su success with? And where's the Venn diagram? Where does it meet um, that I can find this like, this thing that's in ninth, I'm going to play this army that I do well with it because it suits my playing style and I enjoy playing with it because I think both things are really important. To get good with an army, you need to play the game, right? Yeah. You, you, you can't do everything on paper. Um, so you could find a, a, like a, a certain build of Space Marines that you win a lot with um, at a local level but you don't have the motivation to play it all the time because you find it kind of boring. And then you have another army of Space Marines completely different units that you don't win so often with, but you have a great time every time you play it. I mean, if you're happy just to be having a great time and you're not worried about winning, like, all power to you. Like, that's absolutely a viable way to play the game. But if you can find what it is about that army that you do well with, because two people uh, won't necessarily do well with the same army. Like, this is the thing, like, if someone wins a tournament um, pretty decisively with an army build, it becomes a netlist and everyone starts taking it, right? It gets copied a lot. But you don't see everyone doing suddenly winning tournaments with that army. Like they pop up more, but like usually only a handful of people will be able to take that army to like mm -hmm. top success. So instead of just copying what's been good before, think about where you are successful and where you enjoy playing the game, and find those find those crossovers. Maybe you really enjoy playing melee elements, but if you have an entire melee ar army, uh, you find you lose a lot. And if you have like a really long range shooting army, you find you're winning more often. That's quite a common thing because of the way the game is made. Start thinking about the balance. Take, uh, I'm using Space Marines as an example because everyone knows them, but these principles apply to every army in the game pretty much. Take your, your melee unit, take a good chunk of points in melee unit, maybe over half, but then supplement that with some whirlwinds or some thunderfire cannons, something that can fire out of line of sight, break down the enemy screens, you know, loosen things up. Um, mm -hmm. and experiment with these sorts of things. Try and find that, that nice balance between the two things. And like I said, like 
you're not going to find that. We aren't, we're not going to know what the meta is like and what the best units are going to be for a few months until after the editions come out. You can hear a lot of people online saying, oh, X unit is totally broken right now. But then a couple of weeks later, someone will come like, well, it's not if you take this. And that, that back and forth will happen. Yeah, exactly. It still works. Like Even though we will have a completely new edition, it still sometimes works like uh, Rock, Scissors, Pepper. Yeah. Uh, because you always have something that can block something else. Yeah. Uh, I remember the time, I remember the time <laughs> when knights were broken mm. and uh, if you don't take a knight in your army then you probably will lose the tournament, that's for sure. Uh, or at, at least, at least you won't end up with like a good scoring. Uh, yeah. But now pretty much every army has something that can kill a knight. Yeah. So, well. But that only happens because knights are popular, knights are doing really well and then people start teching to destroy knights on the first turn. Yeah. So that's and that's how the game develops. Like it's always going to go in these cycles, but it's going to be faster. These cycles are going to go a lot faster in a new edition when people are really experimenting, and enjoy that. Like, be part of that experimentation. Like, try out new units. Try out an army that you've had on your shelf for years. Like, throw them throw them around. Try things out. And like, just have a good time. Like that's probably the most important thing. Exactly about good time. Uh... If, for example, if you're not feeling like you want to have a new build, or you, if you're not feeling that you want to have a new army, uh, that that happens sometimes. Like that's a weird thing, but it happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you always can do something that's exactly just only for fun. For example, Games Workshop has actually a huge variety of boxed games, and uh, one of them you probably all heard of is called Blackstone Fortress. And except of the whole game itself, it also has a lot of expansion packs. Yeah. So if you just quite a few now. Yeah, isn't it? it's quite a few, and they actually release them every few months as well. Yeah. So even if you have only the main game and you played a few times, and for example, even if you finished it, take a look at those expansions. They actually yeah. have a huge variety of additional quests and uh, characters and models and everything else. So it's always like it's always good. Ch it's it's always a good chance to have a good time with your yeah. friends. Just like. Without building, without contributing a lot, without building a huge new list or a huge new army from scratch, but just like play some models and have a good time. Yeah, I think as well, like, that's actually a good point. Because um, I've been really pushing this idea of like being part of the one, the part of the people who are experimenting and trying out new things and like being this exciting new verge of 40k as it changes to new edition. I'm sure there's some of you out there who are thinking like, oh my God, that actually sounds like a lot of work and I don't know if I want to do that. That's fine as well. Yeah. Warhammer is a really, really broad game. You've got the hobby aspect, you can spend your time hobbying, but also like there are other games. Blackstone Fortress is a good example. You don't need very many models to paint to play that game. Yes, you don't need to paint them at all. Wow. Well, no. Like, we, uh, so, <laughs> to like, my embarrassment, yeah. I still haven't had my I still don't have mine painted. <laughs> like like yes and no. Like yeah. obviously you, you probably should paint your models. Yeah. Uh, but they actually colored in different colors yeah. already, I mean the plastic models themselves. So if you like don't have time for that, you, if you just like first time you look at this uh, the whole package and so on and so forth, and you think yeah. like, well, it's still a lot of models I need to paint. No, you actually can just start playing in like uh, evil models like your opponents yeah. they're gray and uh, your allies are red. Uh, red, yeah. Yeah. So you just assemble them and they actually come into easy to easy to build uh, models. Yeah. So you don't even need to have a glue. You yeah. just cut them there, I mean cut them from plastic pieces, assemble them together and play. But there are other there are other like um, avenues to go down as well and still still be part of the hobby. I mean like Blackstone Fortress, those models 
all of them have rules in 40k some of them don't have the best rules but you can always like just use oh this cool eldar character i'll just use them as an alt arch so you're still expanding your collection by getting in getting involved in these side aspects and like those other t- those other versions of of warhammer if you if you are put by the idea of the a lot of changes coming up and have to experiment then like try out age of sigma like if you've always fancied playing age of sigma give age of sigma a go that's pretty stable um especially if you're playing chaos you can use most of the models across like with a little clip here and there you can turn any kind of chaos character into a fancy or a 40k yeah, model yeah actually i didn't think about that but yeah. i actually actually can and, uh, and like Necromunda is another good example. Necromunda is a really, really fun game where you have one small warband. And if you spend time making your cool Necromunda warband, oh, maybe once the game is settled down, you need a commissar. And like your character you made for your necro- to need- lead your Necromunda forces looks kind of like a commissar. Oh, and now you have a cool, badass commissar model that, that you can play in, in 40k. Yeah, I, I remember that they actually have those bands like from from basically from all other in from all over the Warhammer 40k universe. Like I, I guess you always can find a few mods which you can put in pretty much any army. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean conversions are a are a thing as well. Um especially in these smaller games, um like Kill Team, Necromunda, um Kill Team, another really good example. Yeah. They already said that Kill Team rules are going to not going to change yeah. like in the nearest future. But in, uh, in these smaller games where you have smaller forces, you can spend a lot of time making the models look really individual, and they make really cool unit leaders and characters for your for your main forty k force. And it adds to the narrative of your army as well. So you're like, oh yeah, this guy, he was in the Necromunda Hive Worlds, and like he was like this leader of this gang, and then now he's leading this Imperial Guard force because he was like spotted by an Inquisitor who was so, like, we will train you to lead the Imperial Guard. So Necromunda is basically a version of. 40k plus D and D. Kind of, yeah. Because yeah. I, I never played it. I only I only saw the models and models look cool, but yeah. like you only play 40k. So so, <laughs> so I mean, so Necromunda um, is like a it's like gang warfare basically. It takes place inside a hive city. Um, you have a gang. As your gang progresses, they get new weapons, they mm-hmm. get new equipment, they get experience. You get new members added to your gang. Members die, and you place them with with other with other models. Um, so and like I said, like those those guys, you you build a story. If you find a group of people to play Nine with, or or Blackstone Fortress, or Kill Team, you're going to build a lot of cool stories around these models, and then that's going to add to your narrative when you're playing um, playing your 40k games. If you incorporate those models into it, um, a fantasy example again for me, we played uh, played quite a bit of Mordheim um, at one point, and um, I had some really cool converted up chaos. Uh, chaos models for my warband uh, that ended up in um, um, in my chaos army just as the end times kicked off and like they had this whole narrative behind them we've been playing uh, more time with these models and now like the end times is is starting and there's this big like narrative event and uh, these model these characters have now moved from um, this smaller warband into leading like an actual chaos army that is um, engaging in this big war and like there's going to be that kind of narrative push with Ninth Edition I'm sure there's going to be this big change in the narrative so if you take a break from 40k for a while let things settle down play uh, an allied system and then start incorporating your characters back in like the narrative is going to be a really cool thing actually when, when we start to, to think to talk about uh, Necromunda I start to think like what does it like reminds me and uh, you remember that game which was for 
uh, Super Nintendo Entertainment System, which was called Shadow Shadow Run. I never played it. Uh, I think it it was it, it it it's called Shadow Run. It was originally on SNES, but then uh, the new version of it was released or anything else. So basically, it's a cyberpunk game, mm -hmm. uh, which take place in some kind of like city, pretty much pretty much like a high city ish. Yeah. And uh, it's also green dark and. Um, uh, like the life is pretty poor there, yeah. and there are gangs fighting against each other. Uh, that's basically everything that I remember about the game, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But it looks like pretty much like Necromunda, so probably if you know anything about Shadowrun, uh, that should be pretty much like this. Okay, cool. Okay, wow, we're already 40 minutes in, guys, so um, another fun episode. Just want to summarize the main points. First thing, hobby, as we've been saying a lot on the podcast, now is a great time to hobby. Tart up those characters, uh, have a look through your units, those ones that are three colour minimum, put a bit more work into them, like this is a great time to be doing that. Secondly, experiment, try out things, like no one knows what's going to be good, don't listen to people online saying this is the new broken model, no one will know until a few months have settled, play with what you think is going to be, going to be good and find out if it is, and then if you uh, kind of put off by all of the changes, try some allied um, game systems. Or it doesn't even have to be Warhammer. Try try another game system you've been interested in, let the dust settle, and then come back to 40k uh, when we have a bit more of a settled meta. Yeah. And you know what you can bring. Yeah, but everything is more or less discussed, and then we see what actually units are broken, what is not broken. Yeah. And then use all broken units. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, book recommendation. Book recommendation. I think I can start today. Yeah, uh, go for Because it. I'm going to recommend a 40k book. Oh, wow. So, 40k book. A change of pace for you there, Roman. Actually yeah. recommending a 40k book on our 40k podcast. Wow, that's like that's so weird. Yeah. Like, I probably should do that more often. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what I'm going to recommend today is a book which I really enjoyed a lot. Uh, I finished it in a, I think that I finished it in an evening or something like that. That's a Thousand Sons book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you can imagine from from the title of it, it's called Thousand Sons, as far as I remember. Is uh, it about Thousand Sons? It's about chance? Thousand Sons. Like oh, wow. who would have thought? Who would have thought? Exactly. Uh, and that's actually a really good one. It basically tells you a story about uh, Thousand Sons. Uh, what's the legion? Uh, what's their strengths and weaknesses? Uh, how do they differ from other religion from other religions? And why other religions like or don't like them? Especially don't like, of course. Uh, I think that in general, if you want to see the development of the Legion from being a Loyalist Legion into a Chaos Legion, that's like, that's probably the best book ever. Uh, it actually tells you the whole story, and like, uh, I, I'm not going to spoil it, I'm just it's trying... It's a very good story. I, I'm trying to avoid very, very spoilers, because, like, basically the whole book uh, is a huge spoiler, <laughs> like, yeah. if I explain the plot. Uh, but it actually tells you why... Magnus sometimes in uh, on the internet is different as a traitor, and why sometimes if you're like Magnus did nothing wrong. Uh, Magnus did nothing wrong. Okay, okay, so, so the chaos player. Yes, yeah, so as a chaos player, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the the main thing that you should know about it. So that's a really good one. Uh, if you want to learn something about a legion which didn't want to become a chaos but became a chaos anyway, check this book. Yeah, that's a very very interesting suggestion. Because of what I'm going to suggest, which is another really good entry point to the Horus Heresy series. Um, Thousand Sons, really good entry point because you don't really have to have read the other books to understand the plot. Yeah. It, it kind of shows you how everything's going to play out. I was going to recommend First Heretic. 
which oh, I think really? is another excellent uh, entry point to the Horus Heresy series, and is another Legion that falls to chaos in a very, very different way. Yeah, I read those books. And I think those are probably my two favourite books from the whole Horus Heresy series. So if you've ever been curious about the Horus Heresy series, Thousand Suns on First Heretic, really good places to start. Um, and very similar but different. Obviously, word bearers in First Heretic, um, they... Oh, God, again, don't want to give too many spoilers away. <laughs> uh, but they fall to chaos in a very different way than the Thousand Suns do. And um, a lot of people will have debates on whether their Primarch's actions were justified in the same way people will have debates about whether Magnus's um, actions were justified. And I think that's what makes those books really, really good, is that you can definitely see both sides of the argument. And um, I'll leave it there, because I don't want to, I don't want to give anything, <laughs> anything away. But yeah, um, actually, forty k, well, thirty k books. Thirty k books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that the only thing that you you may potentially mention, like why are world bears are so different from from any other region, just one tiny thing. Like, you need, okay. to, you need, to, you need, you need to throw a hook, you know. Okay, so <laughs> so word bearers. I will start with where the story starts. The emperor never wanted to be a god. That's. Not a spoiler, that's a, just a bit of knowledge from the Horus Heresy. <laughs> Emperor wanted to have a secular society. The word bearers are like, but dude, you're obviously a god. And that friction is where the story starts. And their desire to worship him and his desire to not be worshipped is the friction that sets them off down the path that, I mean, the book is called First Heretic. You kind of know what's going to happen. You probably can't imagine what will happen next. Yeah. But very, very well written, just yeah. as Thousand Suns is. It's really good well written. Yeah. I, I totally agree. No, I, I, think, I think that you're actually right. Those two are probably the best heretic books in, yeah. in, in, uh, in Horse Heresy. At least, I mean, among the ones that I read so far. Yeah, I think that they're certainly the best standalone ones. I think a lot, a lot of the later ones in the series have some really nice payoffs. Um, but that requires reading a lot to to have those like dramatic payoffs. Yeah. Whereas first Heretic and Thousand Suns, you're going to get those really cool dramatic payoffs within one book. Exactly. So you don't need to know like all the story and all the twists in order yeah. to understand what's going on. Because sometimes, especially in the later books, I notice that, that if, for example, I see something and it's like it somewhere rings the bell. I yeah. remember that they read about it somewhere, but like it's been a long time ago, so you need to return back and check like what actually happened, like why does it ring the bell in my head. Yeah. While in those books, you just you can open them, read yeah. from start to finish, and uh, just have a great reading experience. Well, and the lovely thing about the horror series, series as well is the books that are work as standalones work as standalones, but as you read more of the horror heresy characters will reappear and characters who are doing things off screen in first heretic and thousand sons you'll see what they were doing off screen in other yeah. books and it like adds to the narrative which is why i enjoy reading them so much but um yeah there's a good place to start and then if that uh tickles your fancy then you're on your way to start reading the horus heresy which yeah. is a very good series of books <laughs> yeah that's for sure okay so thank you very much for thank listening much, guys. guys as uh, i said at the start Thank you for everyone who started following on Twitter. Everyone's reached out. That's great. Uh, if you do want to contact us, Twitter is a good way to do it. And um, we'll see you next week. Yeah. See you next week. Bye-bye.